What's going on, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of Outside the Arena. I'm Griffin Senek, joined by my co-host, Rob Goldberger. And before we start today, I do just want to acknowledge the day we are filming this. I'm not too quite sure if you'll see this either today or tomorrow. It is 9-11. So real quick before we start, on behalf of me, on behalf of Rob, just we want to send out our condolences and prayers um, to those whose loved ones didn't come home that horrific day 20 years ago. Um, You know, we will never forget. And um, it's a very sad day in this country. And, um, you know, may their memories live on forever. And with that, though, we will go back to what we do mostly, even on a day like today, which is talking about football and sports, something that honestly brought the country back together a little bit right after 9-11. I know that Mike Piazza home run to me is something that always is in mind as something that, you know, really gave people a chance to smile uh, right after those horrific events. But we did see a Thursday night football game this week, the first game of the NFL season, and it was a fantastic game, one of the best games the NFL could have hoped for this upcoming season. Bucks cowboys opening night. The Buccaneers squ- squeezed this one out on a last-second field goal, 31-29. to We saw the return of Dak Prescott. He looked very good. He threw the ball 58 times. That was pretty crazy to see how much they were throwing the football. Amari Cooper had a big game. C.D. Lamb had a big game. And on the flip side for the Bucks, Tom Brady – he just looks, you know, as good as ever. This guy literally doesn't age. We saw A.B. have a good game. Godwin played well. Gronk looks good. So it was a really good overall game. And I'll start with you, Rob. I know we talked last week on this podcast about the expectations for this game, and we both kind of agreed that this would be, you know, a very, you know, potentially big win uh, for the Buccaneers. And it really was not what we expected. Dallas came out and played a lot stronger, at least than what I thought they would. So, you know, what were your thoughts on this game, on how Dallas performed and, uh, you know, for the first game in the NFL season, what a game it really was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was shocked to see, uh, you know, how well the Cowboys performed. You know, you can make the argument that Greg Zerline had performed up to his standards. We could be talking about a Cowboys victory right now. And, you know, that didn't happen, obviously, but a super impressive showing by the Cowboys. I think it's a little concerning the fact that they had, you know, a 4-1 turnover ratio and still lost. But there were you got to give credit to Dak, man. I mean, you know, first game back, threw the ball 58 times and looked – you know, as good, if not better than he did last season. Um, I think the guy's going to be a legit MVP candidate, but I mean, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, man, he's just, he's inevitable. Uh, he's the best of all time, you know, 40, 44 years old. It doesn't even sound real and he's still dominating, but yeah, I mean, I got to give credit to the Cowboys, which pains me to say, but uh, Dak was great. I think, you know, the big question mark still is that Cowboys defense and can they come through when it matters? Yeah, that is the big question when talking about the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, you know the offense is going to be there. And clearly, I mean, we'll touch on this um, in a bit. But, you know, the clear, you know, game plan here was Dak Prescott, not Ezekiel Elliott. They've really stayed away from Zeke. He was really primarily a blocker in this game. Um, We'll touch on him and his fantasy value in a second. But like you said, I mean, Dak Prescott, this guy is one of the best right now in the NFL at the quarterback position. Um, not even a question anymore. He has really improved over the last few years. And last year we started to see a glimpse of it. And I think this year we're just going to see a full on breakout, like you said, MVP caliber performance, 400 yards, three touchdowns. He's making all the throws. I mean, he had a lot of good throws. CD lamb in this game played good, but he had some drops in there that really, you know, the one led to a turnover. It was a tough catch. Give him that, but still CD lamb, few drops and Mari Cooper, he came out this week, said, you know, he thinks he's the best yeah. receiver in the NFL. And I mean, talk about a performance to back that up. 13 catches, 139 yards, two touchdowns. 
this guy is so underrated. I think people don't even really consider him in that top tier discussion. And, you know, I think it's, it might be about time to, I think the talent's always been there. He's always been such a good route runner can make those close catches. I, I, I mean, I think he's one of the best sideline catchers in the game. I feel like I've always seen highlights of this guy catching balls, tiptoeing it right in. He's very good. Um, they did lose Michael Gallup, which, you know, is a decent loss, but Cedric Wilson also looked good. So I'm not worried about Dallas's offense. It's that defense, like you said, which, you know, there's definitely some question marks and holes there. And on the flip side, I mean, I think you covered it pretty well. Tom Brady, I mean, time does just not slow this man down. 44 years of age and performing just as good, if not better than he has, you know, in his career. It's pretty incredible. I mean, the running game for them was non-existent. Didn't really matter. I mean, Antonio Brown looked very good. I mean, when you've got Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and AB looks to be in potential, you know, not, I don't think he'll ever reach that prime forming. And that was, you know, historic levels of, of, you know, talent, but if he can come close to it, my God, I mean, this is going to be insane. I think last year he was still working his way in. He obviously was coming off that crazy wild year for him. So I think this was, this is going to be the year where we're going to see AB bounce back, look good in game one. He looked good in the playoffs too. And leading up to that season, I think he started to find himself. Uh, Mike Evans, a bit of a disappointing performance, but that's what you expect with this offense. One guy is always going to struggle. They're not all going to have 300 yard games, especially when Gronk was as good as he has. And I think that's another thing that we might need to talk about. And I'll flip this to you after I state my point. I mean, Rob Gronkowski at the beginning of last year, it seemed like he didn't necessarily have a role other than blocking, but slowly throughout the season, it seemed like Gronk was getting more and more involved. We saw in the Super Bowl, he had two touchdowns. It seems like they've kind of discovered this role for him. Eight catches, 90 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, I talk about another guy that if you can get close to his prime, it's unreal. And it really looks like Rob Gronkowski has found himself and once again, it's playing top tier football at that tight end position. Yeah, I mean, you have a you had a dynamic offense, you know, even without AB and Gronk, even at you know 35% of their former selves. If they can get back to like even 50, 60 percent of what they were four or five years ago, this team will cakewalk to the Super Bowl. I mean, this team will dominate. And on the flip side of the ball for the Bucks, Vita Vea was unreal on uh Thursday night. They got the guy's a machine, and you have to remember he wasn't there for them the majority of that playoff run. Uh, so if he can continue to dominate like he has, and those two dudes, Gronk and A.B., I mean, w- when you saw that A.B. touchdown, the rest of the league just had to go, uh-oh, you know, this guy, <laughs> you know, the team, I, I just think they're unstoppable at this stage. I think the offensive line is one of the three or four best in the league. You know, Tom Brady's Tom Brady. The big question will be if they can get that running game going uh, with uh, Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette there. You know, they both might have some, you know, fumble drop problems, but – I don't to have that as the, your biggest concern. I mean, I think this team is just so well-rounded. I think Shaq Barrett, the defense defensively, you know, you got Jamel Dean in the secondary. I think this team is just unbelievably good. And I think if Gronk and AB even get back to 50% of their former selves, this you're talking about a historically great offense. Yeah. I mean, you said it best. I mean, Gronk and AB, those are two of the greatest offensive players at the position in their prime of all time. And if these guys can get to, you know, a great level or good percentage back of that form with Chris Godman, Mike Evans, two guys that probably right now I'd say are in their prime or so boy, oh boy. And the defensive side, I mean, the one concern we got to mention something at least that's, you know, a downside to the bucks, you know, the secondary is not their necessarily strongest point. And it, you know, it didn't look amazing in this game. They got beat and they were going up against good receivers, but at the end of the day, you're going to face good receivers. You look at all these top teams, 
and the receivers they have, it's a lot of very good wide receiver groups. So that is the one concern with the Bucs. I mean, Sean Murphy bunting, I believe he left the game with an injury. I'm not too sure um, if he's if he's good to go, if he's going to be out a while. I'm not 100% sure on what the diagnosis was. That's something to stay alert to. He is a pretty good, uh, you know, he was playing very good down the stretch for that team as well. Um, so the secondary is something to keep an eye on. Last year, though, they still won the Super Bowl with that secondary, and it's because of that front seven. It's incredible. Like you said, Vita Vea, just so talented, and he wasn't even there last year, really, that playoff run. I believe he just was able to play in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and he might have even been a little limited in that game. So really, I mean, this team is is potentially unstoppable, um, you know, offensively and defensively is, you know, top five defense. I mean, I think easily. Secondary issues, we'll see if it can bite them, uh, you know, in the neck at all, but. I mean, good performance from the Bucs, but I also think Dallas Cowboys impressed a lot of people. And, and the NFC East, I think, took a, you know, took a serious look and said, oh, these boys might be winning this division. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a little so I want to talk to you. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely is a little concerning. I mean, I think that's a good point, you know, to talk about real quick. And then we'll jump to some fantasy sides of this, of this past game. You know, are you confident now that this is Dallas's division to lose after that week one performance? Or, I mean, do you think Washington is still going to be the team that's a little pesky? I know I kind of said, I think in our predictions that Washington would be the division winner. I believe you said it was Dallas, if I'm not mistaken. So kind of what are your thoughts? I mean, especially after this game, I'm assuming you're holding still uh, with that prediction. I think this is pretty clearly Dallas's division to lose. I think, you know, combined with Washington playing a first place schedule, you know, that's going to come back to bite them, certainly. And I just think you look at the offense, Washington's defense is clearly much better than Dallas's, but I think, you know, the comparison, you know, on the most important position in the field quarterback, Fitzpatrick versus Prescott. I mean, it's not even, it's not even a competition. I think this is very clearly Dallas's division to lose. I think there's one man that can maybe mess this up for Dallas and that's Mike McCarthy. But I think Kellen Moore and Dak Prescott working together has been unreal I think Kellen Moore is going to get serious consideration for a head coaching job in the offseason. And that might even be Dallas's head coaching job. Cause I, I, J, we know Jerry's a big fan of Kellen Moore and uh, I don't really think he wants to see him and Dak split up anytime soon, but yeah, this is, I think this is really Dallas's division to lose. I think they could even win this handily by three or four games. Yeah. Excuse me there. Um, I agree with you. I, I, I'm, I'm fully on board that this is Dallas's division after that performance. I mean, you came within seconds of beating, you know, the world champions of the past year and you played them very close. You know, the one concern with Dallas as it has been this past year, the past few years is just health. That's what's going to hold them back. We've seen Michael Gallup. He's going to miss some time. Lyle Collins was just suspended for five games Mm -hmm. for, I think not appearing for a drug test or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty big impact. Zach Martin was already out with COVID. He should hopefully be back in the next week. Or, you know, I mean, they played Thursday night. He'll be back next week. Um, So that's good to see at least. But those are the slight things that can start messing you up, especially with that O-line. We know how important it is. We know how crucial it's been to their success. You know, they got to stay healthy. And, and, uh, you know, you know, first week you lose Lyle Collins, Michael Gallup. Not necessarily the best thing to happen to your football team. Those guys are pretty important in that offense. But, um, you know, getting Zach Martin back should be huge and whatnot. But what I do want to talk about right now, speaking of that O-line, Ezekiel Elliott, only 11 carries for 33 yards in this game, was pretty close at times to a touchdown. He had a catch. I know that, you know, he was right there, maybe a little better thrown. He could walk in and, uh, you know, on a rush that better block he was probably in as well. But a little underwhelming. I know fantasy-wise owners were very upset. It seems this was very game plan related, though. So, you know, fantasy-wise, what's your concern with Ezekiel Elliott? Do you still value him kind of top-tier RB level, or are you a little concerned after what you saw? I'm a little concerned, and he might not be on that top 
that absolute top tier of RBs, you know, and talk and speaking about fantasy, but I think he'll still be fine. I think he'll still get you the points you need to get. I mean, I, I think he's, you know, could be an RB one or even, I think he could probably be an RB one on, you know, a league winning team. Uh, I just think the, the Cowboys, the Bucks rush defense is very good. We know this. I mean, we talked about it earlier. I think, as you said, it was a lot of game plan related. And I think, I think they wanted to work that back, Dak back into the things. And I think, they needed they knew they needed to throw the ball a lot to beat that high powered Buccaneers offense. I think Zeke will be fine. I do think if he doesn't, this might be speaking back to the real life side of things quickly. This might be a cautionary tale. I mean, we've seen it before in paying, you know, RB's big money because he's set to make 90. This is year one of his contract extension. He is set to make $90 million over the next five years. So you know, it might not be too great for the Cowboys, but I think in terms of speaking of this year, I think Zeke will be fine fantasy-wise. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I'm not hitting the full panic button yet. I will say um, one thing I just noticed, Tony Pollard was definitely on there a lot more, seemed to be more of a receiving guy than in the past. It seems like his usage will be going up, which will be interesting to monitor. Obviously, Zeke, in those first few weeks with Dak last year, when everyone's looking at him as an RB3, he's getting a lot of reception. So he only had two in this game. So it's definitely something to look at. Um, you know, being a top RB, you really need to have a, a good receiving value unless you're getting the ball 25, 30 times a game or so um, like Derrick Henry does. I'm not panicking. Um, I do think it was a game plan um, kind of strategy with this one. You, you, they knew it wasn't going to go well, especially with Zach Martin now trying to run up the middle of the Zeke and whatnot. So that's, you know, you got to look at that. But, you know, next week will be pretty telling. I'm not 100% sure who is on the schedule for them. I'll look at it right now. They got the Chargers. I mean, that's another quality run defense, but it's nowhere near the Buccaneers. And then the Eagles after that. So these next few weeks will definitely be telling. If Zeke still is struggling, not getting that volume after week three, um, I'd say the panic button definitely should be hit. And, uh, you know, it is it could be, you know, RB1 value could definitely be in trouble. But right now, Still have him as an RB1. I don't think he's maybe a top five RB. I, I do think his volume won't be necessarily the highest this year as it has in past, but still maybe back, mid to back RB1 is where I'd put him right now. Um, you know, and he still has that upside if he can get the volume, um, you know, to be one of those top RBs for sure. Yeah, uh, I agree. And now on the flip side of things, uh, another guy who was a little disappointing fantasy wise, Mike Evans, only three catches, 24 yards. We touched on it a little bit, or at least I did. I mentioned how, you know, it is going to be hard for all these guys to go off. So kind of your thoughts on the Buccaneers wide receiver room, um, you know, who in this room would be, would you say is your, your least favorite fantasy guy after week one? Uh, you know, maybe it didn't change at all. Um, kind of what are your thoughts on the wide receiver situation fantasy wise with Tampa Bay? I, I, I would have to say, I said this before the year. I don't know if I said it actually in our fantasy football group chat, but uh, I said uh, Mike Evans, I, I would still say he's the least, he's probably my least favorite guy fantasy wise. I think AB, especially after week one, we know that relationship, you know, Tom and AB have. And I think, I just think he's going to keep racking up those receptions. And I think he's going to keep, you know, getting those touchdowns. And like we said, if he can return to P form, I don't think there's any doubt that AB will be just an absolute weapon in fantasy. And then Chris Godwin, I'm a bit, I've been a big Chris Godwin fan since he's come out of college fantasy wise and in real life. And I think, you know, he's one of the, best red zone weapons people would argue one you know top five or six red zone weapons in the entire league I think he's just he uh, the issue with him is you know whether he can stay healthy um but I think Godwin and Brown should be solid fantasy bets for the rest of the year Evans he has those up and down weeks man I think you know 
he might be able to get you 10 to 14 points every week, but he just doesn't have the upside of those guys like Brown and Godwin, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. I, uh, you know, Evans is something that I'm a, li- I'm a little worried about it because um, I do think, you know, he will garner the attention of, you know, probably the best cornerback just because of his size and, you know, vertical ability. Um, I mean, I think it's kind of a crapshoot each week with these guys. I think, you know, it's hard to bench one of them um, if you don't have a guy on their level. Um, Chris Godwin, I'd say, is the most safe, I think, um, especially after week one. I think, you know, even when he was playing last year, he was banged up. But, you know, he was pretty consistent. He was a guy who would get you 15, 17 points on average each week with a little upside for more. And, you know, he'd occasionally do less. But I think Godwin's the most consistent. Evans really seems to me kind of boomer bust. That's what we've seen from the past two years is he'll have these games where he'll have, you know, a ton of touchdowns he'll be looking at in the red zone. But then he'll have games like this, three catches, 20 yards. So that's kind of what to expect out of Evans and A.B., I mean, I, I think A.B. is kind of a wild card. I honestly don't know how he'll fare this year. He obviously plays less than the other two um, in terms of snaps. But, I mean, if A.B. can be what he has been in the past, he could be, a, you know, very good wide receiver, too, and whatnot. So it's kind of a crapshoot with him. But, you know, I think Godwin is the safest bet. Um, I do like A.B. I like, you know, the connection with him and Brady. And Evans is just kind of a boomer bust guy. All three guys can be started on fantasy teams. I mean, you, you got to acknowledge that, you know, there's going to be weeks where they don't do very good. But then there will also be weeks like this one for A.B., for Chris Godwin, where, you know, they have huge weeks and your fantasy team is getting a big boost at that wide receiver position for the week. So that's kind of my spot, my thought uh, on that. And real quick, Ohio State currently down 28 to 14. So yeah. not going good for the Buckeyes. Um, We're going to have to see what happens. Um, you know, three drives so far in that second half and three touchdowns uh, we have seen for uh, both teams. So uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's not going great for Ohio State, um, but – with that, I do want to go talk about uh, kind of the other real headline this past week or so in the NFL, which has been the Baltimore Ravens and their injuries. Obviously, J.K. Dobbins torn ACL. We knew that coming into the week. Justice Hill tears his ACL as well. And then the other day in practice, on consecutive plays, both, I believe, non-contact, Gus Edwards and Marcus Peters tear their ACLs. Um, pretty insane um, that they're losing those guys. Gus Edwards was you know, primed for a big year. He's finally going to get that workload, um, you know, that people wanted him to see the Gus bus. I know he made headways in my fantasy uh, group chat for school. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, he turns his AC on Marcus Peters. You know, that's their number two corner. Um, you know, he's been playing pretty solid. Um, and, you know, he's getting up there in age, I have to be honest. So this torn ACL could really, you know, prevent him from being that same guy again. Big injuries. Obviously, they go ahead and, you know, sign a bunch of running backs. They bring in Latavius Murray, Devonta Freeman, Lev Bell now. The sign so it seems like it's going to be really a, a committee type group there but obviously devastating blows Marcus Peters potentially the more devastating one but what are your thoughts on these injuries and you know yeah, how, how this think, changes how the Ravens look in the yeah uh, I think that Marcus Peters, I think that Marcus Peters injury is absolutely killer um they got Marlon you know it helps to have a guy like Marlon Humphrey on the other side yeah uh <sighs> but uh, I just think losing your CB2 for any team is just devastating I mean Personally, firsthand with the uh, with the Eagles, I've seen them uh, <laughs> their cornerback play over the years, especially their second cornerback play, has not been the best. I mean, it's prevented them from making the playoffs a couple times. But I think that cornerback, too, you know, cornerbacks in this league, good cornerbacks in this league, their value outside of the quarterback position is almost unmatched. Um, and Marcus Peters is a is a very very good CB too. Um, and I think on the other side of the ball. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this where you have three running backs all season out, all uh, season ending injuries in a week. Um, 
I'm really interested to see if Lev Bell still has anything left in the tank. Same with Devontae Freeman. I actually think Latavius Murray is going to be pretty good. He was pretty good with the Saints last year. Um, I think he's going to be the, you know, the number one running back going into the year. But I was a big Lev Bell fan before, you know, he uh, it, it, when he was in Pittsburgh. Hopefully, you know, we saw the uh, Adam Gase effect on him in, uh, uh, <laughs> in New York. And, you know, he didn't you know, see much, see too much playing time with the chiefs, but yeah, I would imagine Latavius Murray is going to be the number one guy going into the year. We'll see how Freeman and Bell play behind him. But I just think that Peter's injury is devastating to a team, especially in a division with the receive, you know, with the caliber of the receivers in their division, uh, that Odell Jarvis Landry, and obviously the plethora of guys Pittsburgh has. Even the Bengals have good receivers too. TK against yeah. Tyler Boyd and, you know, Jamar Chase, who has made some weird comments about the balls this week and how he's struggling with it, which is pretty yeah. interesting to see. I mean, he's not looked good so far. So I think it might be a growing year for him, especially coming off that uh, holdout. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is, uh, you know, Gus Edwards' injury is unfortunate. It's not, you know, as killer. I think the J.K. Dobbins one was really the killer, if you're going to talk about a running back room, obviously. Um, that Marcus Peters one, though, hurts. I mean, cornerback is not necessarily their strongest position. Um, anymore. Uh, Marlon Humphrey's a great player. Um, but after that, I'm not too sure who is next up. I know they did draft like Sean Wade, but I believe they traded him. So, I mean, yeah. they're probably looking at that and saying, you know, maybe that was not so good a decision, but you know, we got to see what happens. I mean, Baltimore's defense, I've mentioned it a few times. It is aging. Um, Marcus Peters was part of that group, but he's still a great player. And, and this definitely hurts them a lot. Um, you know, like you mentioned there, those cornerbacks have no easy matchups in that division. All teams have very capable, you know, multiple threats. So we're going to have to see. I mean, I think Baltimore, I think this to me, um, you know, really to me makes it hard for them to win this division. I think this just makes it more Cleveland uh, than it already has been to me. I mean, I'm, I've been on Cleveland, obviously a little biased, but, you know, I've, I've said through and through that this will be the team that wins this division. Um, and I just can't see the Ravens doing it now. I mean, you look at the Ravens. Obviously, you have Lamar, but the strong suit of that team was their defense. And, and a guy like Marcus Peters, that's a huge blow to what's supposed to be your strong suit that you don't see, you know, the Browns. They don't really have weaknesses like that. I'm not saying it's a weakness, but they don't have, you know, spots where you can look at and say, you know, we don't really know what's going on there. I mean, the Browns are a pretty complete team as it is. So I think it's a big blow. I think, you know, it's going to make it hard for them to win this AFC North, especially. I mean, they have so many injuries. Rashad Bateman's hurt. Um, I mean, the number of guys just goes on and on. So we're going to have to see what happens this week. I mean, I think they're going to start that rookie uh, Tyson Williams, I think will be getting yeah. the start since he's the only one who knows what he's doing there at this point, um, which is pretty interesting, but it's a situation to monitor. It's a team to monitor Lamar Jackson. You know, he's going to have to carry that team is the essential goal. And I think Mark Andrews, another guy who, you know, yeah, he's going to have to play very well as well. He is, you know, that he's the top guy now in that offense besides Lamar Jackson. No question about it. We'll see what he can do if he can have a big year. Um, and whatnot, but it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. But I do not think the Ravens anymore. Um, I think this is a big blow, and I think it's going to be you know very hard for them to win this division. That's for sure. Definitely, I think a guy to monitor on that team also is you know Ken Hollywood Brown piece it together because he's been. Yes. I mean, no no way around. He's been a big disappointment since coming into the NFL. He's had a couple flashes, but you know he's nowhere near that guy we saw at Oklahoma. And uh, if he can, but if he can piece it together, I mean, and give Lamar, you know, finally Lamar. You know, I think what's overlooked, whether he's being criticized, whether you're a fan or not, he hasn't really had a true wide receiver one since he's been in Baltimore. And uh, I think if Hollywood can piece it together, it's going to be so huge at offense, but I, I don't really see it happening. I think he has a huge drop problem. 
and I don't know, his size is kind of an issue. Yeah. It's definitely something to monitor. He would be a huge X factor if he can get it going. They have some other guys, Sammy Watkins and whatnot, but it is looking a little bleak with the weapons once again for Mr. Lamar Jackson. So we'll see what happens with that. But that kind of does it, I think, with the NFL for this week. Obviously, the game on Sunday, if you're seeing this, you know, either Saturday or Sunday, you know, the games are coming. Um, it's going to be super exciting. We did our predictions for that last week. So if you haven't already, go check that out. And while we're talking about the channel, please go ahead and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Uh, we want to get the numbers up. Like a video, drop a comment if you have any suggestions and whatnot. Uh, we'd really appreciate all of that. We're moving on from the NFL for a bit. We don't got too much more to cover, but I do want to touch a little bit on the MLB. And specifically, you know, we could talk about the NL East. It really looks like the Braves are starting to kind of pull away from both the Phillies and the Mets. Um, but the team that I want to focus on the past week has been the New York Yankees. They have lost, I believe it is now seven in a row after a mm-hmm. mega defeat last night to the New York Mets. Um, you know, 10 to three it was. It was very ugly uh, for those Yankees. So, I mean, last week when we talked, you said, you know, the Yankees in that wildcard picture <laughs> were the best team. They were the team to beat. And all of a sudden there's four teams within one game that are right yeah. there. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this whole wild card situation? And, you know, the Yankees specifically, what, what are you thinking with them now? I, I, I don't even know what to say at this point because in five days I'm going to look stupid. Um, yeah. The Blue Jays are on fire, obviously. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think the Yankees can still piece it together. I really do. I think they're going through a little bit of a rough stretch. But I think they're so talented. I think they have – I think they're probably – I don't know. The Blue Jays and the Yankees, uh, those are the two teams I'm behind probably for that second wild card spot. I think the Red Sox will probably shore up that first spot. But, uh, yeah, I'm still going with the Yankees. But, like I said, I'll probably look stupid five days from now when they uh, lose 12 in a row instead of seven. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a crazy situation what's going on. I mean, just watching the game last night, I hadn't watched many Yankee games, obviously, uh, you know, recently in this losing streak. But, they just do not look good right now. I mean, I saw I saw one of the arguably the worst baseball plays I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, with Gary Sanchez in that tag. I mean, that was insane how <laughs> bad that was. Um, they were just making errors. They're not hitting the ball right now. No, it, it's not looking good for them. And their rotation, you know, that's a huge problem too. Garrett Cole. I mean, he's rumored to have some issues, you know, with his injury. I'm not sure what the update is. Tyone's now in the IL. Kluber's come back. He hasn't looked amazing since he's been back. Montgomery got rocked last night. So the rotation's a little, you know, fishy now. They've got the bullpen. Guys are hurt, Lozaga and whatnot. I don't know. I'm not a huge believer right now in the Yankees. They could totally turn it on and prove me wrong, but just the way that team is right now, I'm not huge on them. You know, there's very interesting teams. The Blue Jays, like you mentioned, I mean, you got to look at them and think that team should find a way in the playoffs the way they're playing that offense, and that would be electric, I think, for baseball to have that offense in there. And also the Blue Jays fans, they're such good fans. I mean, you see them whenever they're in the playoffs. That is an electric atmosphere at the Rogers Center. So that's good for baseball, to be honest. So I'd love to see the Blue Jays there. Mariners would be a great story. They've kind of been, you know, stringing together wins recently. And then there's the A's. The A's are always right in the hunt. Um, they had a bit of a fall off, but they're playing better baseball now. Matt Olson, Matt Chapman, those are the guys there. Um, Marte as well. So there's a bunch of teams right in the mix. If I had to name a team that would win that second spot, for me, it's the Blue Jays. Um, I think they're the best team right now in the way they're playing. Yankees, I mean, you can't count them out. Um, it's definitely looking not amazing, but I don't think the Mariners will pass them. I mean, I'm not huge on the Mariners. I feel like they're a little, just not that good to be honest. If I'm, you know, being honest, they're they've had a great year, and it'd be fantastic for them to end that playoff drought. Um, and I know they're pushing for it, but we'll see what happens with them. The A's, we'll see how they play. I mean, this team could go and win 
we've seen them go win 10 in a row or they could also lose 10 in a row like the Yankees. I mean, they're kind of streaky like that. So maybe the A's get hot, they squeeze in, or maybe they fall off the face of the earth and, you know, are, are nowhere near contention. So it'll be interesting to see for sure. But what a wild week, especially for the New York Yankees. Yeah, I mean, uh, I – that the, the Yankees are clearly a very hot and cold team. I think we can I think we can make that clear about them. And I, I don't know. I, I just don't like to bet against the Yankees. I've seen it too many times. I hate their guts. I know you do probably yeah. more than I do. But uh, I'd like to see the Blue Jays or the Mariners get it. I'm a big Vladdy guy, but I, I just can't pick against the Yankees. I've seen them. I've seen them do it too many times. And yeah, I think you know that Yankees that Yankees Red Sox wild card game would also be pretty awesome. Yeah, that would be pretty insane. I mean, just a week or so ago, the Yankees looked like they had that top wildcard spot locked up. Yep. They're going to be playing at home. And all of a sudden, it's completely changed. I mean, it is insane how far, you know, far away that team has fallen off. It is pretty incredible. But, um, you know, other than that and MLB, I mean, NL East, I don't even think it's really worthy to talk about right now. It's kind of just, I mean, to me, I think this will be the Braves division unless one of the Phillies or Mets really can catch fire here. Um, it just is, you know, they, the Braves have, you know, a pretty easy schedule and, uh, you know, they're beating up on the bad teams that sometimes the Mets and Phillies, you know, they've struggled. The Mets lost two or three to Miami Phillies lost last night to Colorado, I believe it was. So those are games you got, these teams got to win, especially if they're going to be hunting in it. Um, you know, it's disappointing. That's only one, three of five from the Nats. I mean, it, it just seems like it's not looking great for, for yeah. either of those teams. I'd say the Braves probably are gonna, you know, it looks even clearer to me now that the Braves yeah, are yeah, the, and I the think... playoff team. I think there's one pitch that succinctly filled up, you know, summed up the uh, the Philly season quite well. One pitch away from a win. We're up one. There's a runner on first. And Ian Kennedy, who we traded for, by the way, throws probably the worst curveball I've ever seen. On an <laughs> I think you probably could have thrown a better curveball. It was like an EFIS pitch, and it was hit about 500 feet out to right field. And then not only that, he follows it up by giving another home run, and the Phillies lose 4-3. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with the Mets and Phillies, sometimes you can't even make it up. It's that good. And it is just so perfectly scripted sometimes that it just – you can only laugh sometimes is uh, how it kind of goes. Um, so that's that. And I think that really kind of does it for baseball. We'll, we'll keep talking about it weekly, especially as we get closer to the playoffs. We'll do – you know, once the playoff bracket is out, we'll make sure to get a uh, – you know, we'll each do – fill that out and uh, share that with you guys as well as covering all the games. But – with that, real quick before we end this week's episode, we will talk a little college football. We haven't touched on it yet, and I think the game we've been, you know, hinting at right now, Oregon, Ohio State. Oregon currently up as, you know, the third quarter about to close 28-14. to 14. So, honestly, it looks like they're going to be closing this one out and, uh, you know, being able to win this game. Um, I mean, they're running attack. C.J. Verdell really leading it. 14 carries, 136 yards, two touchdowns. That kid is a superstar. And Ohio State, I mean, the difference, their run game, you know, it has not looked that good today, to be honest. I know the box score looks, you know, fooling 11 for 58, but there's been a lot of struggling attempts. They were trying to run the ball in fourth down. It was not looking good. The receivers are fantastic. No doubt about that. I don't think anyone would disagree with that, but CJ Stroud so far, I mean, at least to me, it's, he's struggling. There's definitely yeah, some, you know, quick early mistakes, early, you know, overthrows early on. I know the box score looks very good, but, just watching him, I mean, it's just not been, you know, I haven't been too impressed with C.J. Stroud, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I mean, you know, Ohio State has had fantastic quarterback after fantastic quarterback. I mean, for since the start of the college football playoff era and even before that to Braxton Miller, I mean, we'll see if C.J. Stroud can look that up. He looked fine against Minnesota. I mean, I think that game was yeah. closer than it should have been. 
But yeah, first half was ugly. I'll say that. But yeah. the second half, he figured it out and looked very good as well as the whole, yeah. you know, Ohio yeah, State. Yeah, team. yeah, yeah. Uh, but CJ Verdell, that's an NFL guy right there. I mean, I don't, I think he could have been an NFL guy last year. He decided to go back to school, I believe, right? He's a senior. Um, yeah, so, yeah. He, he's been one of the best running backs in the country since he was a freshman and he's now a senior and the guy is a killer. I mean, he has three total touchdowns on the day. He's an unbelievable receiver for running back too. He's a defensive killer. And I think we all know how much more valuable the running back is in college football compared to the NFL. And I, I, I and you know, I, I, I'm kind of shocked at this right now because Oregon was struggling against Fresno state last week. And now they're coming into, you know, maybe the toughest atmosphere in the country, you know, Teams don't really win at the Hershey all too often, and they looks like they're going to pull it out. I mean, up two touchdowns in the beginning of the fourth quarter. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, as an Ohio State guy, a guy who you know sports Ohio State is, it's kind of crazy to watch. I mean, this team is. You know, I think there's just a lot of inexperience with some of these guys. There's a lot of guys who left that linebacking core specifically this year. Their linebacker play has been bad. If I'm being honest, it's not been good. You lose guys like Tuck Borland. You lose, you know. Really, you know, Pete Werner was another guy. Those guys were so impactful. And, you know, you don't even realize it because these aren't big names. But those guys were so big of it in the scheme of things. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, you see them down. They're just struggling. They can't stop the run right now. And the pass has not really killed them. They've got decent corners. But it's just been a struggle for them. I think there's a lot of inexperience. Even at the quarterback position, we've seen, you know, Stroud struggle. Um, it's tough to watch, honestly, right now. They didn't play good week one. And, you know, now they're going to beat. They don't look to be that number three team that they're ranked as they lose this week. It'd be pretty hard for them to make the college playoff, obviously. So we'll see what happens. Another team that, you know, probably out of it for this college playoff is Clemson. They had a extremely underwhelming week one. I'm trying to find the box score on here. Um, Let's see, where is it? I believe it was a, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. It was a very low scoring game. Yeah. And the only Um, touchdown of the game was scored on a pick six. So, uh, Pretty crazy. Um, but, you know, one thing in this game that, you know, was very interesting, DJ Uigalele, I'm probably most Uigalele. You know, I apologize, CJ if, or DJ, if you're, you know, somehow watching this. Um, <laughs> he did not look good at all. 19 for 37, 178 yards and yeah. interception. This is the guy who people said was you know, right in that Heisman race, and he looked horrific, to be honest. Um, you know, what were your thoughts on that Clemson, you know, initial game? Obviously, I don't think this team will be in the playoff with their easy schedule and they don't really have any ability to get any credible wins. This was their only chance. And it was a, you know, absolute disaster of a performance from Clemson. I think Clemson's, you know, getting into the playoff really hinges on how Georgia plays the rest of the year. Cause if Georgia wins the SEC yeah. and the perfect record, I could definitely see, and you know, Clemson doesn't lose the rest of the year. I could definitely see Clemson getting into the playoff just because they're Clemson also. Yeah, I think that Georgia defense is the best in the country. Uh, I mean, I think that defense is is unbelievable. I think they have a ton of NFL talent. I think the only defense that really rivals them is, you know, their neighbors down in Alabama. Um, And uh, I think my pick to win the SEC would probably still be Alabama, but I think that Georgia team is legit. I think they're a top three or four team in the country, maybe a top two team in the country as they're ranked this week. But, yeah, I I was disappointed in Oweglele's performance. Um, but I think that game really could have gone either way. I think there was some conservative de- uh, decision-making from Dabo. But, um, yeah, I was a little disappointed in Clemson's performance. I wouldn't rule them out of the playoff yet, though, and I think Georgia is really legit. So, yeah. That's fair. And I think real quick before we move on, one thing that, you know, I think is immediately you can just look at the box score even and see it. 
it's that no longer having Travis Etienne. I mean, his presence, uh, yeah. he was such a dynamic rusher and, you know, receiver for them. And you look at them, I mean, they just couldn't get the rushing game going. They had, you know, Lynn J. Dixon. I don't know if he's a back. I didn't watch the game, if I'm being honest. You know, Kobe Pace, Will Shipley. You know, these guys, none of them had more than 10 yards rushing. I mean, that is huge. If this team was unable to run the ball, regardless of how Georgia is defensively, you've got to be able to run the ball, especially in college football. That's a pretty big thing. It says the Ugalele. I'm botching that. I'm just going with it. 14 for negative 22. I don't know what happened there. Um, if he lost like 20 yards on one player, what the deal happened? They uh, they count sacks as rushing yards in college football, I believe. Uh, okay. So, still weird. I mean, that's just abysmal. I mean, that's, an, you know, Clemson, if you can't rush the ball, you're not going to really have success here. Um, so, very embarrassing game for them. But, you know, yeah. we'll see what happens. Um, you know, the year is still young. Ohio State did just get the ball back, it looks like. Um, I don't know if it was a punt or whatnot, but they do have the ball. So um, we'll see what happens. 28-14 with the Buckeyes. Is there anything else in college football you want to touch on uh, before we wrap this up? Uh, nothing really except, you know, big win for Penn State last week. I think a lot of people picked against them. That defense looks really, really good. Yeah, Penn State, another one of those, you know, Big Ten teams that, you know, it's kind of in it every year, it seems. You know, they're kind of right there. Sometimes they have those top ten teams, and then sometimes they're just not in it. So we'll see what happens. This year, if they can string it together and maybe make a nice run, um, you know, for either a top bowl game or, uh, you know, college football playoffs, we never know what could happen in college football. But with that, I think that will do it for this week's episode of Outside the Arena. Once again, folks, if you are not already, please subscribe. We'd greatly appreciate it. Like the video, comment, all of that. You know it. Go follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, Outside the Arena there. Uh, Go follow our podcast Instagram, Outside the Arena Podcast. Both of our social medias will be right in the description as they always are. Um, And yeah, guys, with that, uh, I don't think I'm forgetting anything else. So with that, I appreciate it, guys. Have a great weekend and enjoy week one of the NFL season. Should be a fun one for sure.